few weeks, I don't know how long, uh, for the next while, uh, I, I want to preach some messages uh, out of the Old Testament book of Jeremiah. I'm not going to, uh, I don't think anyway, I'm not planning on it, uh, not going to go through uh, Jeremiah, the whole book, uh, verse by verse, uh, the way uh, we did John, uh, but I do want to uh, to pull some messages here uh, from this book. God has been uh, directing me this way for a while. It's not often I uh, have uh, too much of a uh, of a plan for where I'm headed next, but I've known for a while uh, that uh, I was going to be preaching uh, from the book of Jeremiah. And the reason for that is, uh, is I think probably as much uh, as any book in the Bible, uh, Jeremiah uh, speaks to the time uh, in which we live. Uh, the circumstances and the situation uh, of the book of Jeremiah, the background uh, of the book, uh, I, I think are, uh, are extremely relevant uh, for the time uh, in which we live. And so uh, I'm going to take uh, probably mo- the majority of my time this morning uh, to lay that out for you. Uh, I, I have, uh, again, there, there is a message under here somewhere, uh, but it's going to take me a minute uh, I, because I, I need you to understand uh, and be aware, again, uh, of the background and what was going on uh, in uh, Jeremiah's time uh, so that you'll see the relevance uh, and so that you will see that what Jeremiah does and what God says to Jeremiah, why uh, those things took place uh, the way uh, that they did. You probably know uh, that Jeremiah was known uh, as the weeping prophet, uh, and that was uh, how he was known. Uh, and the reason for that uh, is that throughout Jeremiah's ministry, uh, he was uh, witness to many uh, very uh, catastrophic, very uh, horrible events and, uh, and great suffering uh, in the nation uh, of Judah. And those events, those uh, catastrophic uh, events, and again, they're, they're, we'll talk about some of those, uh, they, they broke his heart. And, uh, and they broke his heart largely, uh, not only because of the suffering of the people, uh, but because he knew uh, that that suffering was avoidable, uh, that they didn't have to be there, uh, that they were there, uh, because uh, of their rebellion. They were in that circumstance because uh, of their failure to repent. Uh, they were there because of their selfishness, uh, their, uh, their, uh, their idolatry, uh, all the other things that, uh, that they were practicing. And so he knew, uh, you know, it's one thing to see someone suffer. Uh, it's another thing to see someone suffer uh, when you know they didn't have to be there. Uh, and, and when you know that they are there uh, because of their own uh, mistakes, because of their own uh, decisions. Jeremiah uh, prophesied uh, in uh, what ended up being the last uh, about 40 years of the existence of Judah. Uh, he prophesied during that time, uh, and, and again, there were all kinds of uh, things going on, both nationally, politically, spiritually, uh, religiously. There were all kinds of things uh, that, were, uh, that were taking place. There, uh, the people were, were wicked. Uh, the people were uh, consistently uh, go, 
going against uh, God. Uh, they were surrounded uh, as, as Israel is today, uh, as Israel has basically been throughout its history, uh, it is surrounded by enemies. Uh, Israel has no real uh, friend anywhere uh, in the Middle East, and they never have. Uh, and they were surrounded at that time by uh, Assyria and Egypt, later Babylon. Uh, and so they were surrounded by their enemies, just literally chomping at the bit for the opportunity to come in uh, and Invade And Jeremiah knows uh, in his heart that their only hope uh, is the intervention uh, of God. Uh, that the only hope is repentance uh, on the part of the people. And yet, uh, they continued uh, in their evil ways. They continued to rebel. Uh, they continued in their, uh, in their wickedness. Again, uh, they, they had all kinds of things. They had uh, assassinations. Uh, they had uh, kings being assassinated. Uh, there were all kinds of, uh, of, of tragic events that took place during uh, Jeremiah's time uh, as, uh, as a prophet. Uh, and again, uh, one of the things that uh, were, were really, uh, was really an issue, uh, again, he is a prophet to the nation of Judah, uh, where the people claim uh, to be servants of God. Uh, where the people, uh, again, as you know, as they often talked about with Jesus, as we finished the book of John, we're of our father Abraham. They were proud of that issue, but they continued, uh, even though they made that claim, uh, they continued in their rebellion. They continued uh, to go into their uh, wicked practices and uh, idolatry, all the while uh, proclaiming uh, to be children of Abraham. And so Jeremiah comes in uh, to that uh, situation. Uh, Jeremiah uh, appears, as you read the book, uh, it appears that Jeremiah is one of the few remaining actual believers. Now, again, there's a lot of professors, uh, as we might see in, uh, again, one of the parallels we see in this book. There are a lot of people uh, professing to serve God, but their life doesn't support that profession. Jeremiah was one of the few uh, who was actually professing uh, and living uh, for, uh, for God. Uh, and so it's in that kind of environment uh, that Jeremiah uh, prophesies, that Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah writes. And one of the things that uh, you know, we know, uh, and, and again, one of the parallels that uh, I want us to understand is when we look through history, when we look back through the pages of history, whether you're talking about the Roman Empire, the Babylonians, the Assyrians, the Egyptians, whatever world power you refer to, if you follow their history long enough, you will see that eventually there is corruption that brings that empire to its knees. And I'm not saying today that that is tomorrow in America. But I am saying, and I do not apologize for it, that if Jesus tarries and this world stands... And America does not repent, she will go the same route of Judah, of Babylon, of Rome, of all the other great empires. You cannot continue 
A nation cannot continue to live and to practice sin and go unnoticed by God. And I believe especially in the United States of America where we have been so blessed, where God has been so good to us, and yet in our world today we have turned our back and we have become a wicked and idolatrous nation ourselves. If we can't learn the lessons of Judah, if we don't heed the message of Jeremiah to Judah, if we don't heed that warning today in the United States, we will go the same route as Judah went. If God would allow Judah, and for those of you who don't know, Judah uh, was the southern half, the southern kingdom, the nation of Israel uh, had uh, internally uh, split up and formed two nations, the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. The northern kingdom of Israel uh, had already fallen, uh, and the little kingdom of Judah is on the brink. God would allow His chosen people, His nation, to be overrun. For us to imagine on our wildest day that America can, can escape the judgment of God is ludicrous. And so Je Je Jeremiah uh, speaks, I believe, uh, to the world in which we live in uh, today and, and gives us a warning uh, that is extremely uh, appropriate. If we were to analyze, and I don't have time to go into all the details this morning, uh, but there were uh, political uh, upheaval, there were uh, what, what we would call today party conflict uh, among the governing officials. There was uh, a, a lack of uh, attention to the, to the commandments of God. There was an irreverence towards uh, the temple. Uh, everything that we see that was going on in Judah, we can take and we see uh, being uh, mirrored uh, in our society today, and, and, and we can see the exact same things going on in, in our world uh, around us uh, today. It was in those kind of times that, that uh, Jeremiah comes to prophesy. Just a little bit uh, more about their history. Uh, they had had a, uh, a series uh, of wicked kings. The Bible tells us in uh, the uh, opening words that uh, in verse two it says that uh, came to Je the word came to Jeremiah in the days of Josiah uh, the, the of Amnon uh, the thirteenth year of his reign. Well, the thirteenth year of uh, Josiah's reign uh, means that he was the ripe old age of twenty one. Josiah took the throne at eight years old because they assassinated his father. Uh, the kings before him, uh, they had been, again, wicked kings. There had been a number uh, of wicked kings uh, throughout the time. So we're talking some uh, about the conditions uh, of, the, uh, of Judah during that time. Again, Jeremiah, uh, it, Jeremiah's father, it says here, uh, was a priest. Um, and so Jeremiah had been raised um, in that kind of uh, environment. 
and later uh, would be then called uh, to king, uh, to be a prophet. He was uh, from the area uh, of, uh, of Judah that had been given to the tribe of Benjamin. Uh, the first verse tells us uh, he himself uh, was probably about 20 years old uh, when he began to prophesy. Uh, and so, uh, and he, we're going to see in a moment, he uses that uh, as a reason uh, to tell God he was not qualified uh, to be uh, this, uh, this prophet that he was being called uh, to be. Now, he did prophesy uh, for 41 years. He had a long ministry as prophets go. Uh, he was able to prophesy again uh, for some 41 uh, years, the Bible tells us there. Uh, if you add up uh, verse 2 and 3, and it lists the kings and how long they reigned, uh, we learned that Jeremiah again uh, prophesied uh, for about uh, 41 uh, years. Uh, he came into reign at a time when Manasseh had been king. Manasseh had built a series of altars um, to the stars. Uh, is the simplest way to put it. To the planets, to the stars, uh, he had built a series of altars uh, and not just built them, but he would later take those same altars that he had built uh, to worship uh, the stars, the sun, the moon, and he had brought them literally into the temple and began to worship them in God's temple. Uh, and, and so that again tells you something about uh, the religious uh, the spiritual condition uh, that was in Judah uh, at that time. When he died, uh, his son Ammon took the throne. Uh, he was as wicked, if not worse, uh, continued the same practices of his father. Uh, he, uh, again, uh, probably, you could say, safely say, added some more evil to his father's. Uh, you know, no king is content with uh, just carrying on. They want to add their own spin. And so he took his father's wickedness and, and, and added to it uh, and, and led the nation of Judah uh, down uh, that path. Uh, refused to do that, uh, and within two years, uh, his own people uh, assassinated him. At that point, Josiah, at eight years old, took over the throne. Now, interesting, Josiah was a godly king. Josiah's desire was to lead in, uh, Judah in a godly way, and because of that, God began to bless Judah. And again, you see another parallel between Judah and America here. He began to bless the nation of Judah. They became wealthy. They became a political player uh, on the world scene. They became a military might. Uh, and so Josiah led them uh, to become a, uh, a, a, a powerful nation in one sense of the word. However, the people of Judah, instead of seeing that as the blessing of God, and beginning to and returning to worship God, they got selfish, they got self-centered, they got proud, and further rebelled against God in spite of His blessings. Now, if you're not beginning to kind of piece together a correlation between ancient Judah of 600 B.C. and America of 2021... You either don't understand history or you haven't read the papers. 
one of the two. Because they, there are so many similarities between what was going on there uh, that it is, uh, that it is uh, again, uh, scary to see uh, the difference. Again, uh, despite Josiah's godly leadership, the people refused to repent. Uh, they refused to follow God. They refused to be obedient uh, to His commands. They refused to follow uh, His word. Uh, and uh, the people, again, the people, their enemies who had them surrounded, uh, they, they were able to banish uh, all their, their internal enemies that were living in Judah. And so they were blessed beyond measure. And yet they continued to rebel against God. They continued to fight against God. And in that situation, we're going to pick up in verse 4 this morning, we're going to see Jeremiah's commission. As we begin to move through this text, where, uh, again, a lot of this is background that really sets the stage for, for a few minutes. Uh, I promise you there's a sermon coming, uh, and there's several more after that. But we've got to get this background uh, of what was going on. Uh, here we see, beginning in verse 4, God comes to Jeremiah in that time. He says, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. And so Jeremiah here, uh, he explains and and confesses here uh, that he was uh, commissioned, he was called uh, by God. That God had a role for him. God had a place for him uh, in this rotten world. Society, and, and as we look at that statement, there is uh, again there, there's uh, an anti-abortion spin uh, to those verses, but uh, that's not our uh, point this morning. I think the point this morning is is that even in that wicked environment, God had His man, God had a task for Jeremiah to do. And what I want you to see this morning uh, is, is yes, we live in a world that I would say uh, largely parallels exactly what was going on in Judah, uh, in many ways maybe even worse, in many ways even uh, more wicked than, uh, than Judah was uh, in this time. And yet God called out, He called Jeremiah and says, I have a task for you to do in this wicked society. What I want you to hear this morning uh, are those words, that God has a task for you to do. God has a job for each and every one of us. It's not enough for you and I to sit back and say the world is wicked, our nation is, is in desperate straits. God has a task for each of us to do. It may be in your own home. It may be in the workplace. It may be in the community. God may be calling. Uh, I, I was at... Uh, I had the opportunity to be in a meeting uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, and, and hear the lieutenant governor speak. And one of the things he, uh, I don't know if you know our lieutenant governor, godly man, vote for him. I don't care what he runs for, vote for him. Uh, you know, uh, godly man uh, stood up and took a stance there in front uh, against abortion, against uh, homosexuality. You name it, he took a stance against it in about 30 minutes. Uh, and, and I don't know, you know, you may not like his party, but if you're a Christian and you don't like his stance, you need to get saved. Yeah, because he, he stands for the truth. But he all got into politics because Greensboro um, was 
trying to pass some rules against the Second Amendment of people being able uh, to constitutionally carry a weapon. And you've probably seen, you may have seen the video. It was all over the Internet for a while. I didn't realize it was him, to be honest with you. But he went to uh, the Greensboro City Council, and he had church. Uh, I mean, he, he let them have it. And from that was he ended up getting in and, and became our, our lieutenant governor. And, and, and one of the things he was talking about is, is we need godly men and women to run for office. We need godly men and women to run for city council and county commissioner and the school board. Now, I think it's too late this year. I think the filing is over with. But if, if you, listen, that may not be your ball of wax, but raise your children. Whatever it is, God is, wants to raise up godly men and women, just like he did Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a minority in, in, in this time. He was one of a, a handful of men and women still committed to serving God. He was 20 years old. 20, well, you know, he, he was just a youngin', and yet God calls him to, to preach and to proclaim the Word to the nation of Israel. I believe this morning that every man, woman, boy and girl sitting in this room, God has a calling for your life. I believe He has a task, a job for you. It may be in your workplace. It may be in your home. It may be in the political arena. It may be in your neighborhood. I don't know where it is. That's between you and God. But I believe just like God raised up Jeremiah, God is wanting to raise up some men and women in our world today. I believe if He would do it for Judah, He would do it in America today. I believe if, if a man like Jeremiah, a man like Moses, who said, I don't speak plain, God says, you go anyway. You go where I send you. One of the interesting things here in a moment is when is Jeremiah is going to say, I'm too young to go. And God's going to say, Jehovah sent you. Yahweh sent you. That word simply means I am. Do you remember who God told Moses he was? When Moses says, I can't go, you tell him I am sent you. I am that I am. He says, I'm the same God that sent Moses, and I can send you. And I want you to know today the same God that sent Moses and the same God that sent Jeremiah is wanting to raise up some godly men and women in America in 2021 who will take a stance for Him. Listen. It's time for the church of Jesus Christ. It's time for Christians to quit being a bunch of pansies. Listen. You, I, I know that rattles some people's cages, but the Bible says this is warfare. That's what it says. I want to ask you, we've tried being nice. How's that working for us? Listen, I'm not telling you to take up arms and go shoot the bad guys. You know, not yet. You know, I'm just saying we need to be willing to take a tough stance. Again, if that means running for your local county commission or city council or school board, it begins in your home. Well, go ahead and try to change the city council if you're not going to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ at the house. Listen, he raised up Jeremiah in this situation. He commissioned him. What is God commissioning? What is God calling you to be today? 
Listen, I know what some of you are sitting there saying. What I do? You're going to melt your wires. I'm going to melt my wires. I kicked the light off. Oh, well. Listen, some of you are sitting there this morning. Some of you are listening to me online. And you're going to try the same excuse Jeremiah used. Some of you are going to say, I'm too young. Some of you are going to say, I'm too old. Let me give you the Greek word that God gave Jeremiah. Hogwash. Look it up. Get your Greek dictionary and look it up. Hogwash. Baloney. That's a good Greek word. Bologna. That's, that's the Greek pronunciation. Bologna. If you're breathing, you're not too old and you're not too young. God wants to raise up some men and women. God needs some men and women. Listen, God needs some teenagers who will go into their schoolhouses, places I can't go. Need some teenagers who will go into their schools, who will go around their friends, who won't listen to me, <coughs> who will take a stand for the gospel of Jesus Christ. God needs some people who will show up in your workplace and take a stand. He commissioned Jeremiah. He knew you just like he did Jeremiah when you were in your mother's womb. And I believe he has a task and a job for everyone in this room. You see the commission. Not only do we see his commission, but you keep moving. Again, you see his comfort. I've already touched on this a little bit. Jeremiah said, Oh Lord, behold, I don't know how to speak. You ever heard that before? Again, he sounds like Moses, doesn't he? For I'm just a youth. Again, I told you, he's probably about 20 years old. And here it is. This, this next verse translates the Greek word hogwash. Don't say I'm only a youth, for to all I send you, you'll go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you. Then the Lord put his hand on, my, on, on me and touched my mouth. Listen. And he said, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations, over kingdoms, to pluck up and to break down, to destroy, to overthrow, to build, and to plant. You see what God says? Hogwash. Told you. Y'all thought I was making that up. Hogwash. You go where I send you, and you say what I tell you. That is the operative, that is the order. If you want to be an ambassador, when God calls you, it's not about what you want to say. It's not about where you want to go. Paul kept saying, I want to go to Rome, but God wouldn't let me. He had another job for me. He says to Jeremiah, you don't worry about how old you are. And he touched him. And he says, I'll put my words in your mouth. And you'll go where I send you to go. Listen, I want you to understand something this morning. If God commissions you, God will go, where he, where, go, go with you and send you where He wants you. God will give you the words He wants you to say. I'll guarantee you, Larry mentioned a while ago being outside and, and, and this lady needed teaching. I think that's how he put it. Larry hadn't studied a lesson. 
I'm putting words in his mouth here. I'm doing Larry like God did Jeremiah. I'm putting words in his mouth. You know, Larry didn't have a prepared lesson. The woman needed something. And Larry said something to her that he hadn't prepared. It wasn't a written script, but it was what the Holy Spirit laid on his heart at that moment. If you'll be willing to go and be a willing vessel, you don't have to be a seminary graduate. Matter of fact, I would say it might be good for you if you wasn't. Consider some of what's coming out of our seminaries today. But what you do need is to be willing to speak what God puts in your heart, where God puts you, when God puts you. It may again be at work. It may be in your home. Jeremiah, you just be obedient. You just be a willing vessel. You just be willing to go. Let me take care of the message. Let me take care of, of, of what you'll say. Let me take care of the audience. Let me take care of the location. You just pack your suitcase. You just grab a microphone and you be willing to go. I'll take care of the arrangements. God wants men and women, boys and girls, who will be willing to stand up and speak what He says, where He says, when He says. We want to do things on our terms. We want to do things on our schedule. Now, God says to Jeremiah, you go where I tell you, and you say what I tell you to say. And then you see the convictions. Verse 9 and 10 again. Look at this phrase. He's going to give us six words, six phrases here that are extremely important. Here's the sermon. Everything else has been introduction. Here's the sermon. So I've got another hour to go. Here's the sermon. Here it is. He says, I've set you this day over kings and kingdoms. And look what he says. To pluck up and to break down. To destroy and to overthrow. To build and to plant. Six phrases. Pluck up, break down. Destroy, overthrow. Build, plant. You might notice anything interesting about those six words? The first four are destructive. Pluck up, dig it up. Gardeners in here, what have you got to do before you plant a garden? What you got to do? Got to plow it up, don't you? Got to plow it up, turn the dirt over. Got to plow it up. You can't grow a garden till you first turn the dirt. You got to pluck it up, he says. Break it down. Destroy it and overthrow it. If someone did not know what you were doing in the springtime when you were planting your garden, they would ride by and they would see your nice green grass yard and you out there tearing up the grass, digging it up, plowing it up, tilling it, turning it over they would think you'd lost your mind. What's he doing to his yard? Is he crazy? Again, if they didn't know, if they had no exposure to gardening, 
Because you have to basically tear up and kill everything that is there before you can have a harvest. Anybody in here can preach the rest of this sermon? Do you see where we're headed? There's some things in our life that need to be tore down before God can plant and build up. There are some things in our nation, God help us, that need to be tore down. There's some things in our nation. I spent an hour a few weeks ago talking about critical race theory. It needs to be tore down. It needs to be dug up by the roots and burned. It's straight from Satan himself. It is useless. All this acceptance and, and, and all this... We got a lot of stuff in our nation that needs to be tore down. It needs to be knocked down before we build up. I see a lot of folks nodding their head to that statement. But can I tell you, there's a lot of things in the church that need to be tore down before we can build up. Traditions, rituals, power struggles, politics. I'm not talking about necessarily here. I'm talking about the church. There's a lot of things in the church that need to be torn down. The way we always done it. Sometimes the way we always done it is pretty good. Sometimes the way we always done it needs to be torn down and something else needs to be built. in our own homes, in our own lives. There's some things that need to be plucked up. There's some things that need to be tore up. some things that need to be broke so we can rebuild better. So we can get rid of some of the old and build back better. Some of us need to allow God to crank up his old tiller and go right through the middle of our garden. Some of us need God to go and get on his big tractor, tiller ain't enough, and just plow up our whole field. There's some things in our life need to be tore down. There's some things like temper need to be tore down. There's some things like greed need to be plowed up. Some things like pride need to be plucked up. Some things like anger need to be broken. Some things like self-centeredness need to be ripped up. And the fruit of the Spirit Long-suffering, patience, mercy need to be planted. Before we can be men and women of God 
who are raised up to make a difference in our nation. We've got to be willing to fall on our face before a holy God and allow Him to pluck up and to tear down, to destroy, and to rebuild. To build back up. To change some things in our own life. Jeremiah, I need to pluck up, break down, destroy, and overthrow. Then we can build and plant. This beautiful building we're setting in. You know what the first thing they had to do? They had to come in here with their tractors. And they had to scrape and dig. About where I'm standing, they had to dig down about 15, 20 feet. And dig out the bad dirt. Dig out the dirt that was bad. Dig it out and replace it. And pack it in with good dirt. Before they could build up. Before God can build up in our life, there's some things we need to allow Him to tear down. There's some things we need to pray God will tear down in our nation. Doesn't matter if you're young or old. God says, I can do it. You go where I tell you. You say what I tell you to do. But first, I've got to tear down some things. I want to ask you to bow your heads as our musicians come this morning. Listen, what is it in your life God needs to tear down? What is it in your life God needs to pluck up? What is it in your life God needs to destroy so he can build up and replace it with something new? As God speaks to your heart this morning and convicts you, God, I want to go where you tell me to go. I want to say what you tell me to say. But I know it begins. It begins with breaking some things in my life. Would you come and kneel this morning, kneel right where you are, as God speaks to your heart. You're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior. That's where God begins. That's where He starts. He wants to tear down the old man and build a new man. You're joining us online. If you make that decision this morning to ask Jesus into your heart, would you contact me, email, phone? You're here in this room. Would you come and let me, let me speak with you for just a moment. You want to know more about how you can be saved. God wants to tear down the old and rebuild the new. Rebuild better than it's ever been before. Father, we thank you for the day you've given us. I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for this passage this morning. God, there's a lot of background that shows us that the parallel, the similarity to our world today. But God, nothing more striking then you tell us some old things need to go. Some things need to be tore down so you can build better. God, in our life, in our church, in our nation, God, let us be willing 
to hear your voice, to be an ambassador, a representative for you in a wicked and rotten world. God, for the one today that's considering Christ as their Savior, God, I pray that you'd stir their heart this morning. God, that you'd challenge them. God, that they'd see their need and they would come and ask Christ into their heart. And we'll give you the honor for what you do.